today on the Lana Enquirer podcast. Ryan Easterling, Lana Enquirer football recruiting expert, joins us to give his thoughts on Illinois football's recent JUCO additions, their recent safety additions through the transfer portal, as well as a possible couple other JUCO additions they could make. We also look forward to a busy eventful June on the prep recruiting trail as Illinois set to host dozens of official visitors. Their commitment list will go up. It's just about how does it go up? Who decides to jump on board? And Ryan Easterling weighs in on some guys that we should be paying attention to going into that month of June. Before we get there, no, really don't have an update on Ray J. Dennis. And given where we thought we were just a couple days ago, that might be better for Illinois because this recruitment we got to talk about Illinois. I've refrained from using the word or the term all in because there could be other options, right? But to be honest with you, like midweek, Piper and I were sitting there talking about, all right, what's the content we need to do if Ray J. Dennis picks Utah or he picks Baylor? Because the buzz wasn't positive for Illinois. You guys all saw that. Most of you subscribe to us and have been paying attention to all the twists and turns. I don't have anything breaking on that. But part of what I was thinking about playing around with, uh, just the idea that that Brad Underwood, maybe he's not all in on on Ray J. Dennis, but boy, a a huge portion of his chips of this offseason at that point guard position is Ray J. Dennis. They've been patient. They waited for Ray J. Dennis because they had a good feeling that Ray J. Dennis would become available. Uh, The Toledo transfer star and the Mac player of the year, and they felt they'd have a really good chance at him. And Ray J. Dennis visits Illinois, but they weren't able to close this down. This didn't happen as easily or as quickly as you know people who talked to us thought it would be, people in the college basketball world thought it would be, and probably what Illinois thought it would be. But Utah has connections to him personally. Baylor has a really good sell. Michigan's obviously got involved here, but it seems like Utah, Baylor, Illinois are the top ones here. But Ray J. Dennis obviously has been telling people, I'm ready to make a decision, and then that didn't happen this week. That's probably more of a positive for Illinois at this point because at first when this got prolonged, ooh, maybe this isn't easy. Maybe, maybe he is considering other options. And then I felt like, yeah, he's probably going to pick another option. Where does Illinois go from here? But this continues to get drawn out, and Illinois continues to pursue Ray J. Dennis. So where, where does this go? I don't know. We don't know where this will go. Ray J. Dennis obviously is um, conflicted about where he should go. And it seems like he's got a lot of people in his ear telling him where he should go. Uh, and Illinois continues to work this thing. So Brad Underwood continues to put his chips in at the point guard position. They could find another route. They could find another grad transfer. There's a few transfers that are available out there right now. We'll get Piper on the show later in the week to, to discuss that. But um Brad Underwood has been putting a lot of chips here, and it'll be interesting to see if they pay off. It'll be interesting to see if he has to play another hand and whether he can, you know, if it gets to that point, if Ray J. Dennis chooses elsewhere, or if Ray J. Dennis picks Illinois, the gamble paid off, the bet paid off. But if he decides to go elsewhere, do you find your point guard? Do you, do you find the jackpot? Do you, do you get the big win on the turn or on the river, wherever you want to say it? On the river would probably be it at this point because it's getting pretty late. Um, I'm not a big poker player, but you get the analogy. A lot of the stack has been 
set aside for Ray J. Dennis. We'll see if Illinois, as it continues to play its hand, continues to survive in this recruitment. We'll see if they can actually take home the pot and get the really good point guard who fits perfectly with uh, what they want on this roster, uh, which could include Terrence Shannon, could not include Coleman Hawkins. So we'll see how much longer this lasts. Ray J. Dennis is working out for an NBA team, it sounds like, next week, and he'll continue to go through that process. But he's probably coming back to college. He just doesn't know where he'd be going back to college yet. Uh, and if Illinois can still find a way to get Ray J. Dennis, Terrence Shannon, Coleman Hawkins, or two of the three back, that's a pretty good offseason. But uh, they still need the point guard. And Ray J. Dennis is seemingly the, the top option, number one, A, one B, one C. And we'll see if there's a second option here. But, um, man, there's, there's just a lot of time invested by Brad Underwood. A lot of a lot of expectation invested into Ray J. Dennis. Because if they don't get him and have to go to a lower-level point guard or they have to try and see if they can find another one, there's just, there's just a lot of risk. There's a lot of risk there. Uh, but the reward could be one of the better point guards in the country and one of the better point guards in the Big Ten. I do think Ray J. Dennis could certainly be that. Uh, Illinois golf, man. Before I get to, to Ryan Easterling, what a performance. I'm recording this late Saturday night after putting the kids to bed. And Illinois, iffy, first round of the NCAA championships. And I was thinking, wow, man, I, I thought this team, you know, had, I'm, I'm going to, to Scottsdale. I'll say that. I'm going to Scottsdale once this thing turns from stroke play, uh, the final round of stroke play into the uh, match play. And I, I booked that flight because I, I just think this is one of Mike Small's best teams. I've thought that for a while. I've been riding it. If you've been paying attention, I, I just think this team might not be Mike Small's best team on paper, but it's one of his best teams. I just love how many veterans they have, and I love the depth they have on it. And not that I thought after round one they wouldn't get to match play because they're still top 10 team deep team and is you pay attention to college golf over the the years like i have over the last decade or so covering this program you know the cream really usually rises to the top like the depth the great programs really start to show themselves later in the week so even you know some of the programs that are highly ranked that have struggled maybe this week say like a Arizona State, they're tied for ninth right now. Stanford's tied for 13. Oklahoma's 19th right now. So they're they're fighting it, right? They they got to fight to to get uh, into the final round of stroke play and into to match play eventually. Um, Illinois, the first round, they were kind of fighting it. You know, struggled a little bit. Had a lot of double bogeys, six double bogeys on the day, which is really rare for them. They played the course later in the day, which is a harder course, uh, both literally uh, and figuratively. But given they're, they're in the desert and it gets so hot and dries out. But then they get on the course this morning, turn it around real quickly after 18 holes in the blistering heat, get up this morning at 3.30 uh, Pacific time, hit the course at 6, and Illinois has one of the best rounds of the NCAA championships of the three years they've been there at Greyhawk. A 7-under 273, a 12-stroke improvement from the day before. Four golfers under par today. Adrian DeMonte Chassert, Matisse Bassard, Jackson Buchanan, all two under. Tommy Cool one under. Pearson Hunt, not not great today, but they drop the, the lowest score of each round for each team. And Illinois shot a seven under, 273. Only one other team, Florida, which is in second place, shot under par for the day at two under. So Illinois moves to the top of the leaderboard. They're two under through two rounds. 
And the format of this, just to remind people, after three rounds of stroke play, so after Sunday's round, they'll cut to 15 teams. So they cut from 30 to 15. After the fourth and final round, they keep the same scores, but you add a fourth round to it. After that, they cut to eight, and then you go to match play. And match play is anybody's guess who's going to win just because you're head-to-head. It just it, it leaves everything open. But uh, they used to, it was like 2008, 2009, they used to award the stroke play champion after four rounds, the NCAA championship. And if that would have been the case, Illinois would have won it back in 2015, which is one of the other best teams on paper. Just a really, really deep team with Thomas Dietrich, Charlie Danielson, Brian Campbell, Dick Nicardi and Del Meyer were freshmen then. Uh, but this team is incredibly deep. Dumont Chassert is one of the best Illini golfers ever. He could make a case if he wins the, the championship or leads Illinois to a championship at Outside of Thomas Peters, I, you know Nick Meyer, Nick uh, Hardy was phenomenal. Like Demonte Chasser could put himself in that territory. Uh, he's tied for second right now, three strokes off the individual lead. But uh, what a round! Just just what a round! And that that's the kind of round that can really spark you to match play and give you a chance at the NCAA championship. It just gave him so much wiggle room here because they have a 19-stroke lead over the 15th place team, which matters going into tomorrow when they cut the field. Uh, so they're going to make that, <laughs> barring some worst round ever for a Mike Small team. And then they have a 14-stroke cushion on the ninth-place team. So that gives them some wiggle room over the next two days. Now, one bad day could could change all of that. Mike Small likes to repeat that. But the consistency of this team, you know, winning seven of their 12 tournaments, uh, tells you that that shouldn't happen. This team should make it to match play. And uh, I can't wait to be there in Scottsdale, Arizona, because I think this team really has the chance to win it all. So wanted to give the shout-outs to uh, Illinois men's golf and, and Mike Small with that. All right, when we come back, let's get the thoughts of Ryan Easterling on Illinois' JUCO additions. Could have a couple more here potentially, uh, as well as the new safety transfer additions as well. And we'll talk about June, the big month of June, and some prospects you need to know going into that huge month of football recruiting. That's next on the Online Enquirer podcast. All right, Ryan Easterling joined the Online Enquirer podcast. Been a while, and uh, the last time you didn't have the mustache, Ryan. You're rocking it. No, man. no. See, I, I decided to start it since uh, between podcasts, and it's been that long. <laughs> I, I, you rock it, though. Like, what, what went behind that? Like, is that, the mustaches are in, man. I was just in Mexico with a wife, and there were dudes with mustaches everywhere. I, I had a coworker that went with it and I was going to uh, go down and visit him in St. Louis and I was going to surprise him with it. And uh, I get down there and he had cut his off and I was just like, well, thanks man. So, but I was like, well, I put enough work into this and it's hard enough for me to grow one. So I'll keep it just, as well. Just stick with it. Just stick with it. All right. Well, uh, Ryan, we'll, we'll ask for your mustache uh, expertise a little bit later um, for anybody. Uh, very little, very wax, little waxing, whatever they, they do with it. Uh, I've never been, a, they, I, I just, the mustache is too, too red for me. It doesn't, doesn't fill in quite like yours. Um, Illinois football is going the JUCO route to kind of wrap up their 2023 roster here. Uh, they've added a couple JUCO commitments in the past couple days. We're recording this on uh, Saturday, May 27th. Uh, and then they've also got a couple JUCO wide receivers on campus as we're speaking. Uh, and I also want to get your thoughts on, on the two safety transfers Illinois has added in recent weeks. But what do you think of the way they're trying to, to round out this 2023 roster with with some depth from the JUCO routes, Ryan, because we've seen Tim Beckman go 
heavy juco but that was before the portal it's it's the only way you could add instant impact guys basically uh and we saw lovey smith dabble a little bit with it there were some successes jihad ward carol phillips geronimo allison delshawn phillips uh or, yeah so, so what what do you think um about the way this staff is, is going about it so I, I think it's it's kind of one of those things where you want to just use the JUCO ranks, similar to the transfer portal, um, just to supplement your roster. And where I feel like they're at right now is they've gone through the spring recruiting cycle. They've gone through at least the first round of transfer portal and kind of into that second round now. Um, but they went through spring football and, and got a chance to evaluate the roster, see where they are heading into the summer. And this is that opportunity to go in there and make any changes they need to make. Uh, or any additions they need to make uh, to have those pieces to get ready for the summer. Because, you know, obviously if you're able to get these guys on campus for the summer and get them into the system, get them into all the practices, get them studying the playbook, they're that much further ahead uh, rather than trying to cram all that in last minute. So it's interesting to me. I, I feel like they basically got a chance this spring to see where they may have some either concerns or deficiencies and address those and they've done a few of those uh in pretty i would say uh, pretty quality ways and with some of the additions they made yeah and it's something they, they did last cycle uh adding somebody of the town of isaiah adams and and zai chrysler certainly helped they continue to look at juco's throughout this class they've added desmond schuster uh caleb patterson so they now have four juco kids uh coming in in 2023 um but they've really gone heavy on the lines and and, and i think I had one conversation with Bart Miller where he kind of talked about how everyone's focused on, you know, the transfer portal, understandably so. You you have maybe more of an idea of what those guys are, but he said it's made it a little less competitive for, for the JUCO market. So maybe the JUCO guys get overlooked a little bit more when maybe they were overvalued before because it was the only way to immediately upgrade your roster before. So I, I always wonder, like, you know, moneyballing this thing. Is this a market inefficiency uh, with JUCOs? I mean, Alabama's got some of the, the best JUCOs. Like, JUCOs are still recruited heavily because they still have value of kids that maybe would have been Power 5 prospects before and just weren't qualifiers. Uh, certainly, you see them develop for your college. Those guys can really help themselves. But it's just – that always stuck with me, that, that, that maybe because of the transfer portal, JUCOs get overlooked a little bit more than they used to. Yeah, I think it used to be a case where junior college was the only place that you could really get somebody that had college-level experience to come in and make an immediate impact, and especially with them now waiving the transfer rules. Because back when junior colleges were, were a really big thing and recruiting junior colleges was a big thing, you know, it used to be that if you got a transfer from a, a D1 school to another D1 school, that guy had to sit out. And that, that has since changed, of course. And so... Um, now they're able to get guys from other schools that, that are able to play immediately, at least on their first transfer, unless they're a grad transfer, I get some sort of exception. Um, and yeah, that has taken some of the pressure off of junior college recruiting. And in some ways, I think it actually has hurt some of those junior college athletes who aren't as sought after anymore, maybe don't get those same opportunities. But, uh, you know, for a program like Illinois, that's, that's seeking out some immediate help and some, some positions, whether it's for a starter or just for depth, um, it makes it a little less competitive because you may not be going against some of those top tier programs like a, like an Alabama and Auburn and LSU who used to stash a lot of their uh, guys out of high school uh, at some of these junior colleges and basically kind of keep them in the pantry for later. Right. Yeah. So um, you're able to get some guys that you 
you know, may not have been able to get in the past or just don't have to face the same level of competition for them and still get a pretty good player out of the junior college ranks because there's so much emphasis now on the portal. And I do think Illinois has kind of gone depth here, right? Like, I, you know, some of these guys, they, they would like to compete for starting spots, but they certainly seem to be pushing for depth. But I do think one guy they think has probably as high of a ceiling as anybody they've added from the JUCO ranks is, is Lane Jenkins. Uh, out of Willowbrook, Illinois, uh, played at Nequa Valley High School. Uh, originally a role at College of DuPage, but didn't play there. And then he plays uh, a year at JUCO last year at Butler Community College in Kansas, where, where a bunch of these JUCOs are. Uh, and, and he didn't even play that much, Ryan. But but you turn on the film of his spring practices, and, and you see the physical traits that made Oklahoma want to get him. So whether Oklahoma fans want to call it a flip or not, he was committed to Oklahoma as of last week. But he decides to go on an official visit to Illinois. Uh, and Brent Venables, the Oklahoma coach, has a policy that if you take another visit uh, elsewhere, that uh, he's going to pull your offer. Um, so in the end, Lane Jenkins chose Illinois. So I, I would call that a flip for Illinois. Maybe Oklahoma fans disagree. But no matter, regardless, Ryan, it looks like Illinois is getting a, a pretty dang good player here, at least a really intriguing talent. So what do you think of Lane Jenkins? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of upside there. He has a lot of the tools that make him a pretty coveted prospect. Um, I, I don't really want to expect anything right away uh, because, I mean, as you mentioned, he's still physically developing. I, I don't think he's all the way there, even though he has already come a long way in the last two years of just physical development. When he came out of high school, he was like a six foot six, 215-pound guy that looked more like a small forward uh, on a basketball court. And he's since filled out quite a bit, but I think – if you look at his frame and you look at his athleticism, you feel like he can carry maybe another 20 to 25 pounds of weight and still maintain a lot of that explosiveness and that quick twitch that he has. Uh, and just his first step is so good at his size and his ability to, uh, you know, move laterally to use his agility to his advantage at his size is something that's really coveted. Yeah, he he's listed. Uh, he lists himself at like two fifty five. I think Butler listed him at two fifty five. He might be around there. He, he looks like he's about two forty five to two fifty five somewhere in there. Uh, but he's got a lot of similarities to Seth Coleman, man. I mean, you talk about length. That's where Seth Coleman. Uh, I think we overlooked the pass breakup stat he had last year of six, which is just ridiculous. That that can be a drive changer when you have guys at the line of scrimmage being able to break up those passes. I think Jenkins has that, but also just that ability to get low, to get under blockers and maintain his speed and athleticism. A lot of people call that bend, uh, but you talked about the get-off. He's got a great first step. So there's just those physical tools. He's got to add weight, right? Like he, I feel like if he goes up against Isaiah Adams in his first practice, Isaiah Adams might be able to manhandle him a, a little bit, but that they have time to do that because you have Seth Coleman at least for another year. You have Gabe Ackes for another two years before he can make the NFL leap. Alec Bryant, Ezekiel Holmes has one more year of eligibility. Jared Beatty, who's really filled out, uh, is a redshirt freshman now. So, yeah, he's got three years of eligibility left. There's not a lot of rush to play him. I think it's a perfect spot, and I think it's a perfect spot for Charlie Bullen to really leave his mark. Like He was hired in part to get the most out of Gabe Ackes, get the most uh, out of Seth Coleman, get those guys to the NFL – but this is his first recruiting win. Charlie Bowen, I think, is a really good recruiter. I wrote about it in my What It Means column. Like, 
I've met with Charlie, talked with him. He's really, really natural conversationalist, really just charming. Like he's going to be a good recruiter so far. And we've kind of seen that with Marquise Lightfoot, but I, I think Jenkins is a great project for him to work on along with Beatty, along with Trey Smith, a lot of these young guys as he tries to get the most out of uh, some of these NFL prospects on the, in the starting unit. Yeah. And I, I, Fortunately for him, he's got the luxury of having a great crew on the roster right now. You mentioned Seth Coleman already, but Gabe Ackes, um Shouts Kevin Kane, uh, right? It, like, he did a good job yeah, building that room. He, yeah, they, for, for switching that defense to a different scheme within two years, they did a really good job of loading up that room. I mean, you talk long-term, you got Alec Bryant, Gabe Ackes. They've added a number of guys like Jared Beatty um, who have that length, that bend. Um, it's interesting because you know you talked you pointed out Seth Coleman's pass breakup stats and Seth Coleman I think's listed at six foot four. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think he's listed at six five. He might be six four, but like the okay. wingspan is is like yeah, is definitely a positive wingspan. Yeah, and Jenkins has even bigger radius than he does. So when you look at that, it's like okay, this guy can cover a lot of space. Um, I know somebody on our board had mentioned Michael Buchanan as a potential comparison. Uh, physically, as far as frame, uh, I think that checks out. Um, you know, Jenkins has a little more twitch, I think, than, than Buchanan did, but I really like what he does. They'll play different roles. You know, Buchanan was more of that bandit in the old Vic Koning off or defense, uh, whereas I think Jenkins would be playing more of that standard outside linebacker in a 3-4 type role. Um, but that's it. It's interesting to me. And, and you know, I and my first reaction was, okay, maybe they're going to bulk this guy up and try to make him the next Keith Randolph. Because, I was I was intrigued like, as heck by that because he's six, And I was six, like, yeah. 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 And, I mean, he's he's got the quickness to be an outside linebacker. I, I could see that fit there too. But I was like, man, if this guy can really put on 35, 40 pounds, he's got the footwork. He's got the quickness right now that once he does add that additional weight, like he could, he could be yeah. a menace inside as like a 3-4 DN. Yeah, no, I, I, I thought of that as well because they have the need there, right? Like, mm-hmm. But I'm told he's going to be an outside linebacker at, at Illinois. And that, that, I, I think that is the more you look into his film. Um, Michael Buchanan had like a thin waist. I, I don't know if he was ever going to be like, you know, Mike's a big dude. <laughs> he's still coaching. but Still um, is a big dude. Yeah, he was never going to be like 280, 290, right? Like Jenkins, yeah. is he going to get there? I don't know. And I do think his natural is is outside linebacker, but I am intrigued if he could add that kind of strength. Because after Keith Randolph, after Johnny Newton, who do you have at the defensive line? Jenkins could potentially be that. And I do think he's a guy like Illinois. I think they're versatile enough that they're going to have him is a hand on the ground guy, and maybe on pass rush situations or or things like that. Because the outside linebackers basically do a lot of the same things that the defensive ends do. Uh, But can he be that five technique, that four eye? I'm not quite sure. But um, if there's four down linemen, I I think Jenkins put his hand on the ground and and be that kind of edge guy. Yeah, and that's one thing that I think is important to point out is depending on who they're facing and what sort of offensive scheme they're facing, they did change up their looks quite a bit, and they changed up their personnel quite a bit last year. You know, there were times where Randolph was more of an outside guy. There were times where he's lined up more inside. There were times when they – paired you know newton and a nose tackle together it you know it really just depends on what sort of team they're facing up against and i think that's refreshing in that they're changing their personnel to face and match up against who their opponent is and what their strengths are and try and take that away so i could see a a case where jenkins maybe moves inside maybe they feel like they've got an advantage you know a pass rush type thing where they can get some interior pass rush and create an advantage there uh, over time, and one other guy I, I do want to mention that is coming in uh, over the summer too that 
could potentially fill in that DN role that, that Randolph was leaving as Mason Rogan. I was really high on him when he was coming in, uh, when he signed with the class. And so they do have some pieces there. Other guys like Alex Bray as well, that could potentially mm-hmm. be those three, four DNs that won't necessarily be like a traditional four, three DN. So that may give them the ability to keep Lane Jenkins uh, on the outside and keep him as a rush specialist. And I expect them to be very active in the transfer portal for defensive linemen uh, at this time next year and, and probably Juco defensive linemen. And they'll probably have a pretty good sell with Johnny Newton and Keith Randall yeah. uh, having probably big seasons and going to the NFL. All right, next one. This just happened today on Saturday. Will Lease, a Juco offensive lineman, no other Power 5 offers, 6'3", 285, uh, out of California, Saddleback College, has three years of eligibility remaining. Uh, in Illinois, Long has been looking for center depth. They thought they had it in Avery Jones. And, of course, he uh, pulls the switcheroo very late in the process as he was actually had a place on campus ready to enroll. And uh, he decides to go to Auburn very late in the process. Uh, but uh, then they looked at Amari Wiggins, a, a good offensive lineman. Uh, they ended up committing to Arkansas. So, so they go to Will Lease. So what do you think of, of Will Lease? Uh, what he brings to that competition with Josh Crutes at center, Junkyard Willie, <laughs> one of the best, uh, one of the best Twitter handles in this class, probably probably top two or three, I would say. Uh, I, I like his film, I really do. I think you know we were we were talking a little bit before we went on the pod here to try and figure out maybe what's this guy's backstory, and obviously we'll hopefully get a chance to talk to him and figure out kind of what happened in his initial recruitment coming out of high school. But you know, from what I can gather. Uh, did a little bit of digging and sleuthing on this. From what I can gather, he was high school class of 2021. And being out in California, they were one of the states that was pretty restricted as far as high school ball went mm-hmm. during the during COVID. And so he may not have gotten as much exposure as some of the guys in other states. You know, he played at Servite High School, which is plays against some of the best competition in the state of California. And some of that competition they played against, such as a modern day, uh, plays a national schedule. So you know, they are playing against good competition and they were a good program, but I just wonder if maybe he didn't get the same level of exposure he would have in other normal years to where he might've landed somewhere That's a, good point. Um, a little bigger coming right out of high school. But, you know, I looked at his, his junior college tape and he's, he's going against college size guys with, with college level strength and he's more than holds his own. I, I think he's, he's not necessarily going to blow anybody off the ball He's not necessarily going to open up huge running lanes, but he's a reliable blocker both in run blocking and pass blocking. I really like his pass blocking ability. Um, doesn't necessarily have crazy length in his arms like a guy like Avery Jones would have had, but I really like uh, just how reliable he is. And, and, you know, as much as Bielema talks about how he wants tough, smart, dependable players, Will Lee's really seems like he checks all those boxes. And so I, I think he's a good fit. You know, I don't want to pencil him in as any sort of starter. I'm, I'm kind of curious. I, I think the fact that they are still pursuing or were still pursuing a center at this point in the cycle tells me that they felt like they wanted more at the position as a whole. Uh, I don't think it's any slight on Josh Krutz. I just think yeah. that they need some experience because in the last two years, they lose Doug Kramer to graduation. He's now with the Bears. Uh, Alex Pilstrom did a great job of stepping up this past year. I thought he he probably outplayed a lot of expectations, uh, stepping into a role that maybe wasn't necessarily his his wheelhouse and, yeah. and held it down. Um, but those guys are gone, and there wasn't really much experience at all to speak of behind those guys. Uh, Joey Oakla, I think, could eventually be maybe there. 
Um, Josh Crutes, obviously his toughness is the last thing you question. Uh, he's a nasty blocker, but you know, there's just not a lot of ex- uh, experience there. And so getting a guy like Lee's in there, uh, I think helps if nothing else add depth, but gives you another guy who could potentially win the job. And with him having three years of eligibility remaining could give you a long-term solution if he is the guy that ends up winning it. Yeah, Avery Jones was a no-doubt starter. I think Amari Wiggins had a great chance to start. Uh, I'm not as confident like Will Lee's definitely I would put in as the starter. I think Josh Kruitz, you know, the staff said positive things, but they kept looking for depth. They kept looking for competition. I think they're going to let it play out. And I think Kruitz has the upper hand because of the experience he had this spring, you know, the system, um, and, and he seems to, to do most of the things they want, but I, I still think they're looking to add to competition. I think that's a, a smart thing to do. And, yeah, the backups, like TJ McMillan, I, I think they're really high on. Uh, but Zach Barlev was, is more of a guard. He was playing center. So uh, I, I think they do want some more depth. And if Josh Kruitz gets hurt and he, he wins a starting job, you at least got a guy who's got some college experience behind him. All right, I want to ask you about the two safety transfers. Demetrius Hill, a freshman All-American. Joey and I talked about the podcast. Clayton Bush, SIU transfer, has one year of eligibility. Hill has three years of eligibility left. Uh, obviously, safety is a position they have invested heavily in. Nicario Harper they brought in from Louisville to be in that mix. Now this is a three safety transfer. So what do you think about Hill and Bush and what they add to uh, that secondary and that safety competition? Well, I think it's not really all that surprising that they sought some help, some immediate help this offseason, either via the transfer portal or, or other means. Uh when you have three of your starting defensive backs get drafted in the top 70 picks in the NFL draft, that's a lot of production to replace. Uh, and on top of that, I mean, you lose uh, an experienced guy like a Kendall Smith. Um, you know, you've got some other guys that have played there in the rotation. That's a lot of experience that you have to replace quickly. Um, now, they do have a lot of talented guys. They've recruited the last couple of classes. There's some guys in that secondary. I'm really high on. I know you love Sabor Kareem. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zachary Toby they've got some good corners coming in but looking for some guys that are ready to play now uh, I think was really important to help bridge that gap Um, because while some of those guys might come out and play well I don't think they wanted to bank on it and so a guy like a Demetrius Hill is a, a perfect pickup because he has several years of eligibility remaining he was a freshman all American as long as he can avoid that sophomore slump then you know I, I think he's a guy that fits well in the system too because you know his his length his size and the way he plays the game he's a physical player as he continues to fill out I think he's going to become a really really solid player on the back end of this defense that can erase some some mistakes uh, and then a guy like Clayton Bush you know he's he's a veteran he's been around for a while um Obviously, he had a very vested interest in, in joining this program as quickly as he responded to the invite for an official visit and the opportunity to join the program. Had some interest for some other D1 programs, but I like the way he plays. He's physical. Um, he's probably going to be more of an in-the-box type guy. Um, and I, I like what they have on the roster with with Matthew Bailey. It's just the only question with him is how is he going to recover from this surgery? Yep. Do you want to rush him back too soon? And, and it's really, to me, it's adding some depth there. Um, you know, if somebody doesn't necessarily either catch on as quickly as they should, or if somebody doesn't recover as well as they should, this gives you some depth because, you know, corner position outside of spoon this past season really got hit hard with injuries. 
and some guys stepped up, but it definitely wasn't quite at the level that their starting guys were at. And so you saw that it did make a difference. Um, so having some of that depth there at those positions, I think is really crucial to have a true two deep at a position where you saw so much attrition just due to graduation and guys going pro. And I do wonder what this means for Nicario Harper, to be honest with you, because if Matthew Bailey's healthy, I expect him to be a starter. I would expect him to start at strong safety. Uh, he, he can he can play both. But um, Nicario Harper came in from Louisville, and every time Brett Bielma talked about him, he kind of mentioned he needs to learn how we do things. So I found that interesting. Uh, and now you had two more safeties that make it a little bit tougher for him. I do think Clayton Bush and Nicario Harper have the potential to play nickel. Uh, if they need to, because in the box they can do that. I think they can run. Uh, I, I do like Clayton Bush's film. I know it's at Southern Illinois, but there's a fearlessness, a tenacity to him that I really like. I think he'll make an Im- immediate impact on special teams. I think it gives you great depth. I think we would expect Demetrius Hill. It's not just all about the All-America offer or All-America honors. It's uh, it's the length. It's the ball hawk ability. Uh, I think that just really fits. And he came here to start and to make the NFL. Like that is why he came here because of what they've done at safety before him. But but what those moves do is it, it makes sure safety they have a playable person there, right? Like they they don't want that to be a huge hole. Like this should be a strength of the roster. And I think they took a spot that that could have some question marks. And all of a sudden they they filled it and said. Hey, not only do we have Demetrius Hill, who we think can be a star here, but we have Clayton Bush, who if Hill gets hurt or, or struggles for whatever reason, or Matthew Bailey struggles for whatever reason, we feel like we could play that guy and and have a, a decent player there. Yeah, and, and while these guys are all somewhat similar, have a lot of the same characteristics, I think each of them does bring something a little bit different to the table. So again, as I talked about with the defensive linemen, you can mix up personnel to, to play the best guys that – compete against or match up best against your opponents right so there may be a couple of these safeties that are better in coverage than they are in run support you can mix up personnel and i think that's one thing that's been kind of the trademark of this illinois secondary is they have so much versatility with their personnel in this secondary that they can change things up the way they need to with personnel to match up against whoever they're playing against Mm -hmm. you know in the past you would need to put some some more physical in the box type guys against wisconsin now you're going to need guys that can cover. They're, you know, Wisconsin is. It's going to be weird seeing them go four wide this, you know, consistently this fall. But um, you're going to see a few different teams. You know, if it's in Iowa, you know, you got to have guys that can cover a tight end. If it's, um, you know, Minnesota, you got to be able to stop the run, but also cover some of those receipt those slot receivers that tend to do damage. It's the ability to to mix things up with your personnel and pick the right crew that matches up best against your opponents is really important so not just having a good lineup for your starters but also having some depth so that you can adapt I I think is really important and as I mentioned just with the number of guys that they lost being able to replenish that depth was really important this offseason yeah and I think this isn't the sexiest stuff for fans like this isn't some running back that's going to come in here and be an all-american right this isn't Luke Altmaier who's going to be your starting quarterback but this is the kind of moves that you know, Illinois did hurt a little bit when those corn when Taz Nicholson went down. That hurt them because even though you saw Tyler Strain get better, 
He had a couple struggles early on uh, against Purdue, I believe it was. And then he got better as the season went along. Or Xavier Scott, when he had to be thrown out there when Strain got hurt, like he struggled against Michigan, as you would expect from a true freshman. So these little moves can make a huge difference because the attrition of a roster, Illinois was very fortunate, mostly with injuries last year. So if, if you're getting to November in those must-win games and you're playing true freshman or redshirt freshman that, that can be scary so i think that's where illinois is you know they got 85 scholarships you don't have a 25 man scholarship limit anymore in each class uh thankfully for the ncaa they're going to try and maximize all those spots because it can make a difference uh and how many wins you get in the season and bowl games and big 10 championship races all of that yeah i think that's the big thing too is if they didn't do anything i think that leaves the secondary as a weakness mm-hmm. as good as they were this last year the if they're not really proven and they don't really have a lot of guys with reps, I think it leaves as a weakness. Now, by the end of the year, the guys that stepped in might have been fine. They, they might have been great as they got there, but I think they would have taken some lumps along the way. And you know, in order to take that step forward and and improve on eight and five this year, they can't really afford to get off to a slow start. Yep. So having some guys that can step in from the beginning, be reliable, and, and fortify that. That secondary, I think, was probably the main driver for making some of these personnel additions this offseason. And they're still addressing one position. Um, scholarship count, I don't have the exact read on it because Illinois kind of keeps those things. Uh, outside of Brett Bielma a couple weeks ago saying I got three open scholarships, so they've already added more than that. Um, so I don't know the exact count right now, but they are working towards adding – Another receiver, at least, to the 2023 roster. And it's a position that, you know, Joey and I talked about. I had higher on my list of needs than Joey did because I get it. You got three returning starters. You have young guys coming in that you're really excited about. George McDonald's done a great job recruiting prep prospects. Malik Elsey's coming in. Colin Dixon's coming in. You had a, a great uh, early look at Kanari Wilcher, who looked really good. Hank Beatty's going to play a role as a sophomore. And you got Ian Pugh and Ashton Hollins kind of developing behind them as they add strength. But I felt like there was a need for depth, for proven more experienced depth uh, and just more mature bodies, to be honest with you. Uh, so they host Juco teammates, both out of College of San Mateo. Jamai E, 6'2", 215. Jaden Dixon-Veal, foot one eighty five, quicker. Looks like he could play the slot if he needs to, but also could play on the outside. Right? what do you think of those guys? Because if Illinois can have both of them, I think wide receiver for the first time in a long time, like it, I don't know if it's a strength compared to the rest of the Big Ten, but it's not a problem. Like I, I feel like you'd feel really good about what you're bringing out for Luke Altmaier, wide receiver. Yeah, and I I tend to feel a little bit better about what they have at slot receiver right now versus what they have on the outsides. Agreed. You know, the outside receivers have have tended to be a little bit of the weak spot uh, the last two or three years. Um, obviously, they're adding some great prep prospects and Colin Dixon and Malik Elzey. I, I mean, I've had a chance to see Elzey play a couple times and I, I have very high hopes for what he can do. And I think, you know, maybe he's not going to be the guy early on, but I think he can be a guy that can come in and make an impact as a freshman. Uh, if not, if not by his second year, for sure. Uh, but you look at it, they lost Brian Hightower. He transferred out to Cal. So you lose one of your, your bigger receivers. He had, you know, some ups and downs this past season, just with injuries and, and other things like that. Uh, Pat Bryant comes back and you hope that he continues to take another step forward, but you know, to get some more proven guys that can, that can go out there, uh, 
be physical receivers. I, I think what we're seeing is that you're starting to see the identity of what Barry Lunny Jr. wants in his outside receivers more in those guys that can go up and win jump balls. Because when you have guys like that, and, and this is one thing I pointed out about Elzy when he ended up committing is um, your quarterback doesn't have to be perfect. So I th- Illinois has got a really good quarterback coming in, in, in Luke Altmyer as a transfer, but anything you can do to make his job easier to where he doesn't have to thread the needle is an advantage. And when you can get receivers that can go up there and either win or rip down jump balls, it, it helps, um, at least with your outside guys. And so that was one of the things when I watched Jemai East's tape, I really liked about him is that he does not like to lose jump balls. Uh, he's a physical receiver. He may not be the fastest guy that can get a lot of separation on a, a sideline fade route, uh, but he can go up there one-on-one against a defensive back and has really strong hands, really good grip, and can bring that football down. Kind of like Hightower. Yeah, and, and I think that was kind of where I was going with this, is that he could be that replacement for Hightower, but you get a couple more years of eligibility with him. Um, but he is, he is a physical guy and he, you know, he knows how to use his body well to help shield off defenders and and put himself in position to make a catch. Maybe not a deep ball guy because he isn't that explosive, but you need those guys that can go up there on those eight to 15 yard routes, catch the ball and convert third downs. And that I think is what he could probably really bring to this program. Uh, just the, the assets that he would bring in. And then Dixon Veal, like I said, I feel pretty good about what they have at slot. I, I'm, you know, Isaiah Williams is Isaiah Williams. He's been great, and he's continued to take steps forward every year since switching from quarterback to receiver. Hank Beatty, uh, you know, another guy that is kind of still getting his feet wet, but really has a bright future at the position. Uh, you know, when he was in high school and he was a receiver and not a quarterback, he was putting up gaudy numbers at the high school ranks. So I think it might just be that he's waiting his turn. Uh, and then a guy that I've been high on for, you know, since I saw he committed was Canary Welcher. Why is this guy speed. playing wide receivers? The first exactly. thing you said when he committed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and he put up crazy production in Florida at, at, against some pretty good competition. So I think they've got some good tools there. And so yeah, and Wilcher had a very strong spring. Like he was repping with the ones at times as part of the two deep. So like right now, Wilcher and Beatty, both slots, like they could play Beatty on the outside. They they care about height. Like, obviously, you want some receivers, but they're going to put the best guys out there. And they've put Beatty uh, on the perimeter at times, too. Yeah, and that's that's one area where Illinois, I think, that the receiver group has struggled at times is getting separation. Mm-hmm. That's been an issue in years past. And they're finally starting to get some guys that can get it. And if they, you know, maybe they don't always have to get it if you can get some guys that can go up and win jump balls. But when you can get those guys that can generate separation, I think that's valuable, even if they aren't the biggest guys out there. But you know, slot I feel pretty good about, but if you have an opportunity to add, you know, another value piece and a guy like Dixon Veal, yeah. then, you know, especially if he's a teammate with another guy like a Jemai East, I, I think you have a chance to do it, especially if you have the scholarships available. Yeah. Everyone wants to ask me like, which one would you pick? I, I struggled to do that while these recruitments are going on, but East fills the bigger need for what they need. Like they need a big physical target because of Brian Hightower leaving and just having youth. Like I think Malik Kelsey can be that guy, but if he's not ready or if he got hurt or whatever, then Colin Dixon, like you, you don't want to have to rely on true freshmen right away. Uh, but East would just give him another body because Ian Pugh and Ashton Hollins are not there physically yet. Strength wise. Um, Jaden Dixon veal, I feel is probably more prepared. Like I feel like 
if he came in, he'd probably make a bigger impact and catches and all that because he's a little bit more refined. I think he's a little bit more versatile uh, than East. I think he's a little bit more consistent. Um, and he's just part of maturity, right? But he's six foot, 180, kind of more of a slot slash outside guy. So uh, if you can get both of them, I, I think it'd, it'd be a nice upgrade for your wide receiver room and make you feel really good that, hey, the competition for that two deep is great and you feel like you have the talent uh, to, if, if you have an injury, to your starters you got the talent to be solid already at wide receiver because if they don't add either of these guys and say one of the or two of the starters at wide receiver got hurt man it'd be wide receiver be a weakness for this team yeah and one of the things you pointed out too is sean miller may not be all the way back yet either you know he's coming off of yet another pretty significant injury and i've seen some video of him rehabbing he's starting to run he's starting to cut which is good um but I just I think you have to temper your expectations and not really rush him back. And I so think that's part of this, a, right? Because like yeah. we thought Sean Miller and he w- was playing. He got hurt in the first game because he was playing. He was the most refined of that class and one of the best gets that George McDonald's gotten so far. But he had a shoulder injury and then he has a knee injury. So it's just I don't think you can count on him, even though I like the player when he's healthy. He just hasn't been healthy yet to see him. Right. And so, you know, if you can get a piece to help supplement that, give him time so that he doesn't have to get back on the field sooner than he should. I think that's really important because if you can, if you can buy some time for Sean Miller to get healthy, I think once he comes back, if he can come back close to a hundred percent and rehab the right way, he can be a really valuable piece in the future because he's a guy that can play both inside and out. Mm -hmm. I I think, you know, I, I saw him, line up mostly at slot for IMG, but that's because they had guys like Carnell Tate on the outside. So, I mean, he wasn't going to get a whole lot of, of run at Carnell Tate's spot, but you know, he's a guy that can stretch the field at times, but he's just such a good refined route runner um, has pretty reliable hands and he's just great body control to get separation. He was a guy that I feel like could have been kind of their Swiss army knife at receiver. And it's just really unfortunate that so far he's had to deal with so many different injuries. All right, before I let you go, Ryan, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. So if you want to pull up your 2024 Illinois football targets, you can do that. Um, June's almost here. So we go right from the JUCO recruiting to the high school recruiting. And Illinois has got a few loaded weekends. People can check out the official visitor list. I got my big board up. You can check all of that out. But give me a couple names that you really honed in on. Because Illinois is going to add a lot of commitments in this month. But uh, maybe some of the, the ones that you think are real litmus test recruits are really important ones for fans to pay attention to over the next month of June. So I will start with a couple of in-state guys who I think are really, really important. Um, Darion Dupree is probably, I think the real litmus test for this class. You know, you're competing against Wisconsin. Luke Fissel, Luke Fickle's got a lot of juice on the recruiting trail right now. By the way, running back um, out of Mount you know, Carmel, four-star composite prospect, Darion yeah. Dupree. I just want to put it out. Yeah kind of a big deal in state. He's one of the top 10 guys in state. Um, But, you know, Luke Fickle had a really good relationship with a lot of the Illinois high school coaches from his time at Cincinnati, recruited a lot of prep players from the state of Illinois when he was in Cincinnati. So it's no surprise that he's been able to get in with some of these programs and and continue to do well in the state of Illinois. Uh, But that's one where you can't let the success of Chase Brown fade away. You know, Dupree is a guy who I think can do a little bit of everything. He's physically in that same 
general size range that that Brown was, and you know he had a great year as as both a runner and a pass catcher. So that's one where I think they can they can really go for it. I just want to I just want to build on that for a second. One, you have a great sell there. That's why it's important. Two, he's really really good. Three, he's a perfect fit for what you need in that room because you got a bunch of big backs and Aiden Lawfrey. You need another speed guy. You need a more versatile guy. And Darian Dupree is just as comfortable catching the ball out of the, the backfield than taking a handoff. Uh, so I think he's just a modern guy that's a little bit different than everybody else. Uh, could really help you. Four, it's against Wisconsin. I know it's a four-star level recruit, but Illinois-Wisconsin, a lot of battles going on right now. And Wisconsin's won several of them. So to get a win for one of Wisconsin's top targets when they do have this juice with Luke Fickle, I think would be a big statement, just like Aiden Lawfrey was a couple years ago. But go on to your next guy. Yeah, so my my other guy from in-state who I think is a a big litmus test is Eddie Turk, uh, the the lineman from Lyons Township High School. You know, he's got so many ties to Illinois. Obviously, prior to Bielema being there, they really didn't have a whole lot of traction with him. Um, But it seems like Illinois has really stepped up their efforts with him. You know, he's got the versatility to probably play either side of the ball, looking like he's more likely to play on the defensive side of the ball in college, but I guess it may depend on where he ends up. It's starting to um, sway a little bit maybe towards the offensive line. Like more staffs have gotten more of the offensive line, and the last visit he took for Illinois, it was a lot more about offensive line uh, because he's got those options. He's a good enough prospect to do that. That's why it's mm-hmm. really interesting. I think Bart Miller getting involved in that recruitment is, is a positive. I mean, Terrence Jameson's been very involved, and – Torque's a, a legacy guy, I guess you can call him that, because his dad went here, his sister goes here. Um, yeah, I, I think he's he's towards the top of my list, too. Yeah, and I, I got a chance to see him play, uh, I think it was fall of 2021. And, you know, I just – I really liked what he did, both sides of the ball, which I thought, you know, the amount of reps he had to play in that game really spoke to his conditioning. Um, you know, he's just a physical guy at the point of attack. And, you know, whether he ends up on offense or defense, I think he could be a valuable asset that gets into the rotation pretty quick. So that that is a big litmus test for Illinois in this class. Yeah, the other thing, Illinois-Northwestern battle potentially. That's where he's visiting first. Both have really good sells uh, if it's offensive line and defensive line. Um, so I'm very interested in that. You know, Northwestern's struggling a little bit, but Pat Fitzgerald usually recruits uh, his state and uh, the suburbs pretty dang well. Uh, also visiting Miami. So give me another one, Ryan. Uh, one other, uh, Austin Alexander. So if you're, if you're talking Wisconsin, Illinois, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Alexander was a former Wisconsin commit, mm-hmm. backed off of that pledge, the Marion Central Catholic defensive back, now rated a composite four-star. Uh, Illinois has a pretty good defensive back sell right now. And they've, they've managed to kind of get in there. They've got an official visit with him. You know, that's a chance. I, I don't know if they may close it down on that visit, but you know, this has a, a really big opportunity for them to make a big impression on him and get into that catbird seat as it goes down the stretch of his recruitment, uh, because he is a really talented player, super athletic and, you know, if, if you want to sell him on being the next spoon, now is the time to do it yep. because I, I think he's got some of the same characteristics, uh, at least athletically and physically, um, you know, and with the right development, he, I think he could be a really special player too. Uh, the other instater I want to throw out there, maybe I'm stealing a little bit of your thunder, Luke Williams, uh, four-star safety. Uh, he's being recruited both wide receiver and uh, defensive back, but uh, the two schools atop his list that from what we gather – both recruiting him uh, as a DB, as a safety. Both recruiting him 
based on the same success because it's an Illinois-Purdue battle. So Ryan Walters against Brett Bielma. I've been loving that back and forth on Twitter. The guys love each other, but they're rivals now, man, and they're recruiting the same dudes. And this is a big one because uh, Luke Williams knows Jared Beatty. Um, David Alano was his high school teammate. Uh, grew up you know, with a lot of those guys in the Illinois roster, but of course – I know Illinois fans don't want to hear it, but like Ryan Walters has a good sell. They got some juice on the recruiting trail. It's a young staff that's got a lot of excitement, and they're selling the same success Illinois did. So I find that battle so, so interesting. Yeah, and so does our board. Um, <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, Ryan Walters had a pretty big role in developing a lot of these guys, but so did Aaron Huge. Henry and Brett Bielema. It's okay. <laughs> it's it's okay for both of them to take some credit for it. I mean, yes. I, I I know people get bent out of shape about it because he's at Purdue now, but like they were both very instrumental in the development of those those defensive backs that are now in the NFL or just got drafted or you know Kirby Joseph. Like those guys all played an important part. So you know, of course they're going to try and use it to their advantage in recruiting. It's it's a competitive it's a competitive thing, but. You know, I, I think if you look at it from the standpoint of Illinois having that sell of, hey, it's your home state, we respect Purdue, and, and we, we, you know, we have a lot of love for what Ryan Walters did here, but he's not here anymore. Um, you know, Aaron Henry, I think, has done a great job of stepping into that role and, and bringing that juice. And I, I saw Aaron Henry when he was watching Luke Williams this past fall. And, you know, as good as Williams was on offense, when Williams went out there on defense, I could see some of his his facial expressions when he was watching him on defense. And I could tell that, that Aaron Henry was quickly falling in love with what Luke Williams did on defense. And so I could see why they're so invested and so interested in uh, pursuing him on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, any others, Ryan, that you want to throw out there? Uh, I think one guy that they probably got a chance to close down on before too long would be um, – Tyshawn Griffin, you know, that's a guy that I think um, even though he may not be like the top guy in this class, I think he brings a lot of athleticism to this program. He's a guy that does it all for Morgan Park. And he's a guy that you've been recruiting for a long time. His head coach is an Illinois alum. You know, it just makes sense. Um, I don't know that I would necessarily call it a litmus test, but I think that's one guy that you don't want to see go somewhere else. I I think it's a name you feel good about uh, going into June. Another guy I would throw out there, Demetrius John, defensive lineman out of Ohio. They've done a really good job. He's got some other official visits set up, but I just really like him as a prospect. And I think as a – Defensive line, you got you got to win some power five battles. Angelo McComb was one. If you get another kid out of Ohio and Demetrius John, they'd be good. And Carson Conkle, um, Pinckneyville, is a developmental guy, I think. But, man, the traits there for a small-town kid. Michigan State's involved, Boston College, some others. But uh, he's, he's getting Illinois early in the process. I think he's going to take some time because it's kind of a – all coming at him at once is a small school kid. There's been a wave of offers, a wave of interest. Uh, but those are some other guys. Yeah, and I mean, obviously they have a slew of defensive backs from the state of Florida visiting. So <laughs> it's hard to pick one and be like, "Hey, I mean, yeah, this guy, you need him." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's like shooting fish in a barrel down there. But um, you know, I, I would anticipate they'll probably land a couple of those guys as well because they're defensive backs from Florida. And what's your sell right now? Hey, look at what we just did with all these defensive backs from Florida with like Quan Martin and Sidney Brown and, and Devin Witherspoon. Like, they're doing pretty good. So, you know, I, I think they have a good sell with some of those guys. Obviously, the in-state ones are probably going to be the ones that have the most optics attached to them. But, you know, I think they have a chance to strike with some of these guys. And some of the defensive backs from Florida they're bringing in have some pretty good offers. So, you know, they might a – a few of them are only composite three stars, but, like, 
there are a couple guys in there that have offers from like Miami, from yep. Florida, that are other competitive Power Five battles. So that I think, you know, the, the in-state battles I think are probably taking priority. But some of those I think are really important and shouldn't be under understated Great. in this whole process. Yeah, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be an interesting month. See what Illinois does with this cell because as I, as I let you go here, Ryan, like they're in a good position right now, and, and you want to keep upping the ante in recruiting. They were able to do it with Malik Elzey and you know Sabor Kareem getting some four star kids in the last class. You want to keep building on that. And you want to win some of these litmus test recruits like we're talking about because it shows that one you're you're continuing to build your program you're building uh, continuing to build your brand and identity but uh, you're continuing to sell well too which is obviously a huge deal oh yeah and i mean obviously every year it seems like for illinois june is that big month um you know there, there's been some recent commentary that you know illinois is off to a slow start so that, that's kind of been the case every year as long as i can remember it seems like they really start to ramp things up over the course of the summer as they're able to have guys on campus for camps, as they're have, able to have guys on campus for official visits, and especially now with them uh, having the ability to have official visits in the months of June uh, and into early July. like I've, That's changed things a little bit, but they, they really have had success over the last couple of years. And one thing that I've, I've mentioned before and I'll mention again, uh, one thing I've heard from several recruits is Illinois does a great job with these visits. They're very intentional. They're very targeted. Uh, they're very specific and tailored to each guy, but they also do a great job of uh, having their, their current commits turn recruiter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they build this camaraderie early. They try to get these guys networking with each other and, and growing together. And I, th- I think they've done a really good job of executing these official visits over the last couple of years under Brett Bielema and his team. Great stuff. As always, Ryan Easterling, uh, do you have like a product for that stash? Do you like have the wax? I, 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 I use, I don't use wax. I use a little bit of uh, oil. So it's okay. like a, a cedar based oil. It's good. We're getting serious here. I didn't know it was that serious. I can't just let it go wherever it wants to go. Love it. Keep it, man. Looks good. <laughs> Ryan, thanks, bud. We'll see. Great stuff as always from Ryan Eastern. Check out all his film rooms. I love uh, getting his perspective. I break it down a little myself, but Ryan's been doing this for so long. I love getting to, to see what he thinks about these guys as well, and then we get to chat about it here uh, on the podcast. So thanks to Ryan for his time, as always. Check out all the latest on Illinois basketball. Piper had a latest update on Saturday evening. You can check that out on the VIP board. You can also check out our big board, which I've been going throughout, updating Hope people like that on the Illinois football recruiting side. The latest on Will Lease, the latest on Lane Jenkins. Joey went in-depth with his high school coach to get a little background and thoughts on him as a player. And, of course, we'll be updating you on Illinois golf throughout the week uh, at IlanaInquire.com. And Joey Wagner is a fantastic, fantastic feature on one of the Illinois football players and his rival who happens to be from the same home. So look forward to that feature on Sunday morning as well. Thank you for listening to the Online Enquirer podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review, wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on YouTube. Hit subscribe. Hit the like button on any video you see up there. We appreciate when you guys do that. But everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Online Enquirer podcast. Bye, everybody.